listening to the Oil & Gas This Week podcast with Mark LaCour and Paige Wilson. This is the show for busy oil pros who quickly want to keep their finger on the pulse of the industry. You're listening to the Oil & Gas This Week podcast brought to you by IBM. It's just the show for busy oil pros who want to quickly keep their finger on the pulse of the industry. Thanks for joining us for episode 308. It is really nice. What? We had a young woman who I cannot remember her name. Oh, it's Jackie. Jackie. Reach out to us. Her fiance, right? Yeah. Michael Welch is a Marine and he's an officer candidate school. Big shout out to Michael there. And he's a fan of the show. Yeah, we actually met him at Texas A&M. That's right. We did. Yeah. And so uh, Paige and I wrote him a letter because at this stage at the OCS, he's not allowed to talk to anybody. And we sent it out. But it just kind of feels good to know that we have listeners whose significant others ask us to help. I'm just glad that he's marrying her. Yeah. That's a true sign because when she reached out to me, she was like, oh, it would mean so much. You don't have to, but like it would mean so much. And I was, I absolutely. In fact, me and Mark are going to write a letter together. Yeah. So, uh, Michael, you won't hear this for a while, but you got a good one. You keep her around, keep her close. Exactly. (laughs) I guess our audience has heard us say, where are our reviews? (laughs) Because we got one. If you want to leave us a review, there's a link in the show notes. Makes it ridiculously easy. If you want to try to memorize it, it's lovethepodcast.com forward slash OGTW. You want to read the review? I uh, love the show. Mark and Paige blend industry news and insights with lighthearted banter. If you're in oil and gas, want to keep ahead of the curve, this is the show for you. Jay Jefferson. Thank you, Jay, for the review. And if you want us to give you a shout out like we just gave Jay, just uh, give us a review. It takes a couple of seconds. All right, let's get into the news stories. All right, so we have some breaking news that's happened actually in the last 18 hours. Yeah. So one of the things that's happened that's important for you to know is that Russia has a very large mercenary army, all right? These are paid-for soldiers, mercenaries, and they were helping the Russian troops in Ukraine fight the Ukrainians. And about eight hours ago, they stopped and they turned around. They started marching toward Moscow. Mm -hmm. Rumors say that Putin has fled the country. We don't know if that's true or not yet. This group of mercenaries who are very experienced, heavily armed, is called the Wagner Army, their leader, who's a former Putin ally, said that he's marches men within 125 miles of Moscow, the capital. A lot of people, myself included, expected this to turn into civil war. Well, in the last literally 45 minutes, there's been a peace offering that has been taken it. So basically, the commander of the Wagner fighters had a deal brokered by the Blue Stream president that guarantees their safety because it sounds like they're getting ready to overthrow the existing government there. And in return for that, they promise not to invade Moscow or to use force to overthrow the current Russian government. It's way too early to know what's actually really happening. Did Putin really leave? Did he not leave? Was this really a coup that was getting ready to happen? Was the brokering of a peace deal really that easy and that quick? Was this really a march of justice for these mercenaries to remove the corrupt and incompetent Russian commanders that's cost them a lot of lives, their comrades? We don't know any of this. I will say this much, though, Paige. This shows you how much out of control Russia is. Yeah. And this is a very dangerous place for the world. I expect when the markets open on Monday, oil to spike, probably another 10 or $15 over what it was closing bell on Friday. And then American people, we need our strategic holy reserve full. 
we see stuff like this. Well, yeah, this yeah, is, that's why it's this important. Is the second or third largest oil producer in the world that could easily go dark with an internal conflict, with a civil war, with a coup, and all that Russian oil would come off the market literally in days. And we're sitting here with our strategic petroleum reserve on empty. This is ridiculous. Fill the strategic petroleum reserve up so that when stuff like this happens, we're in a safe place. We're not right now. I don't want to alarm anybody. It's still too early to know what's going on. Regardless of what the outcome of this is, it tells me that Russia is about done and this war with Ukraine right. is about over with and there probably will be a peace deal brokered. And I hope that's what happens. I hope there's no bloodshed, no further bloodshed. I hope Russian oil is, continues to stay on the market to keep prices low. But man, this was a scary last you know, 12 hours seeing what was going on. Honestly, it's been a scary week, Mark, especially after the submarine tragedy and all that and now this. But hopefully it comes to an end soon and we can stop donating money to Ukraine. All right. So let's go on to OnBridge order to close oil pipeline on Wisconsin tribal land. Yeah, this is an article talking about the U.S. District Judge has ordered InBridge to close in the next three years part of their Line 5 pipeline crossing tribal land in Wisconsin and pay about $5 million in trespass. And we covered this actually a couple of years ago. This is a Bad River Band of the Lake Superior Chippewa is a Native American tribe. Last month, they sought an injunction to shut the pipeline down completely. Their claim is that there's erosion at the Bad River Bank, which threatens to lead to rupture of the pipeline. Enbridge says the pipeline is safe and designed for erosion of the river. It doesn't matter what the river does. The pipeline is safe and it's continuously monitored. Unfortunately, let me translate this for you. The Native tribe is basically leveraging Enbridge and their investment and infrastructure, saying that you need to pay us more money because the Enbridge pays I feel like we've, we've already we been did. down we, this we, avenue. We did. We covered this. Yeah, I thought so. The Native tribe is saying we want more money, and if you don't, we're going to file a federal court that we want it removed. Enbridge doesn't seem to have a lot of options. What they're trying to do is they're frantically trying to buy land, and they're going to reroute the pipeline out of Native land, which is the smart long-term yeah. solution. And we talked about this a couple of years ago. It looks like they were buying land. Guess what, Paige? What? Permits. Mm. So they bought land mm-hmm. to reroute around this tribe so the tribe can't leverage them, basically extort them. And look, I'm 116th Cherokee Indian. I love my Native American I'm a 30 roots. Second. I'm proud of it. Yeah. So I'm not saying this had anything to do with other than just bad business. I think Enbridge has taken what I think is the higher road, spending the money and time to route the pipeline out of the Native Americans' property completely. They've bought a lot of land they need, but now the government is not issuing them permits to build. This is a weird place where you have one part of the government, the judicial part, saying that you have to get this done in three years, and you have another part of the government, the executive part, saying we're not going to issue permits. Enbridge is in a stuck in a bad place, and I hope that there some common sense prevails here. Let Enbridge reroute this pipeline. This way, the Native Americans, the Lake Superior Chippewa, don't have to worry about the supposed leaking of the pipeline because of erosion. Enbridge can keep the pipeline running, which, by the way, northeast part of the U.S. This supplies fuel and propane and butane and natural gas and gasoline to you. And if this pipeline gets cut down, guess what? Prices are already high enough now. They're going to go through the roof. So it's a good thing for everybody if we can come to agreement. Let's just give them the permits. They know what they're doing. They've got an EPA approval. They've bought the land. They bought the right-of-ways. They're just trying to do what's right. Yeah. Somebody in the executive branch of our government, just go ahead and issue the permits and let's make this go away. I don't necessarily know that that's a federal thing, Mark. That's I'm pretty sure that's Might a, be a state. It's very much a state thing. So it's the state of Wisconsin. Wisconsin. All right, state of Wisconsin, do it. Do the right thing. Uh, Speaking of pipelines, U.S. pipeline giant energy transition will need more natural gas infrastructure. 
good article. They don't get into the actual science of it. Basically, they're saying that we're going to need more natural gas infrastructure so that natural gas can serve as a backup power fuel with the mix of solar and wind capacity. Hear that, Wisconsin? Yeah, in the energy transition. <laughs> now, let me tell you from a scientific point of view, and don't hate me on this, it's just facts, right? Solar is not available 24 hours a day. Right, because there's this wind, thing called night. Yeah, wind is also not available 24 hours a day. Right. Natural gas is available 24 hours a day. Right. How do you want your power, people? Do you want your power there 24 hours a day or do you want it only partly? If you want it there only partly, then wind and solar is your choice. If you want it all the time, the mix of wind and solar with natural gas is a great choice. However, that wind and solar adds actual pricing to what you pay at your house. Mm -hmm. And that's the reality of it. The mix is evolving. Actually, here in Texas, it's really interesting. We're at peak. We broke all records for electrical consumption. Shout out to ERCOT for actually keeping the lights on everywhere. We've had no brownout. Yeah, so far. So far. But one of the things that's helping with us right now is the short natural gas electrical generation plants that are built in Texas that are able to spool up quickly when wind and solar can't keep up with this high demand. So this is true. We need more natural gas infrastructure. We need more natural gas electrical fire power plants, especially if the amount of electric vehicles rise in growth and usage as a lot of people predict. I actually think they won't rise as much as everybody thinks they will. We'll see. But the amount of electricity, if when you want to electrify everything, the amount of electricity you need goes up. You need more infrastructure. You need more generation capacity that can handle the base load. And natural gas is perfect, especially considering we have natural gas everywhere in this country. We don't have to import it. It's dirt cheap, and it's good for the environment. So I 100% agree with this article. We need more natural gas infrastructure to support this energy transition. Okie doke. Kuwait appoints new oil and defense ministers. Yeah, what is this, like the fifth government in less than a year? I was going to say nine. I think it's the ninth government in less than three years. Unfortunately, this is the same old, same old in Kuwait. It's a bunch of members of the royal family. Mm -hmm. They're being stated as different parts of the government. There's been a lot of turmoil and turnover in all these cabinets, which gives each government, before they get ousted, almost no time to get anything done, to get any reform, bring any stability. And this continuing cycle of disruption is delaying the people of Kuwait's ability to actually settle down, grow their population, reduce prices for everything, and their country should be one of the leaders. And unfortunately, right now, it's not. Now, to call this is a new government, it's not a new government. It's following the same old manual that they've always used. Now, this cabinet has the highest number of ruling family ministers in years mm. and the highest number of deputy prime ministers ever. That sounds like that would be bad, and in the U.S. and Europe, that would be bad. But what we need here, because there's a tribal mentality, is actually some calmness. And the fact that they have this many family members working together, not bicker with each other, makes me think that maybe this government will, will stick around for a while, which it needs. Now, of course, there's opposition to this new government, which there always is. But the opposition is weaker than it has been. And it's the actually hopefully can pave the way for a longer term government, which will have smoother relations with the people, which will allow things to settle down, which will bring more economic prosperity and will allow Kuwait to continue to put their hydrocarbons on the market, which is good for everybody. We will see. Yes, we will see. API urges EPAs to modify GHG emission standards for heavy duty vehicles. You've heard me talk about this before, this yep. exact show about when you look at emissions by transportation, if you lump all the transportation together, the emissions are significant. However, if you take all of our passenger cars and trucks out and leave everything else, our passenger cars and trucks equal almost zero emissions. This is basically 1% of the emissions here in the U.S. It's all the hub other stuff that lumps under transportation, which is the diesel electric load of motives, tugboats, 
um, over-the-road diesel trucks. And one of the things about this EPA proposal is to modify heavy over-the-road trucks to basically have zero emissions. And they're doing that by saying that they need to be electric. Here's the problem with that. I'm okay with the zero emissions. I really am. Right. Don't say how to get there. Right. Say what you want to accomplish and allow us to get there. Long-range, over-the-road electric trucks are not a reality. I'm no, sorry, No, they're not. You can build them 100%. Tesla's built them. Pepsi's bought, I think, about a dozen of them. And Pepsi's using them to haul potato chips. And you go, well, that's a weird thing. The reason Pepsi's using them to haul potato chips is they have no range. And so the lighter the load, the further you can go. Pepsi wants to show off their greenness, right? So uh, they're greenwashing. So they're yeah. not putting real loads. They're not putting Pepsi in these electric diesel trucks because they wouldn't have any range. And their range shortens dramatically when it's cold. And guess what? Half of this country is cold in the winter. Yeah. Right? So let's let the geniuses that have built our modern passenger cars to the point they're almost zero emissions do the same thing to over-the-road trucking. Don't tell me it needs to be electric. Just tell me you want it to be zero. Or we could just have more pipelines. Imagine that. Well, it's hard to ship. Well, yeah, I know. I know you can't put everything in a pipeline. I totally get Although that. Although pipeline companies, if you figure out how to beat DoorDash and can ship food around in pipelines and furniture and everything else, <laughs> <laughs> Paige and I would be right there <laughs> voting for you. I would love to have a pipeline come to my house and deliver everything I need. Amazon, if you're listening, it might be a new business model for you. There you go. Um, there you go. Anyway. So the API is pushed back, basically saying this is that we agree with the goal of reducing emissions, but that saying that it needs to be electric is not in the realm of reality, which I 100% agree with. Well, not only that, how long would it take them to charge? That's going to take even longer in the process of getting these things where they need to be. Right. And think about over-road trucking. They drive very long distances and they, they tend to have long stops between fuel. To your point... That long stop is normal in in their world, so they could spend the night, have their electric truck recharge. How many electric diesel truck recharging stations need to be built before that's a reality? But then they all absolutely will be doing that at the exact same time, too. Which increases demand, which means more electrical generation. And guess what? A lot of that demand, those diesel trucks typically park nights. Yeah. Right? Solar doesn't work too well at night. Yeah. And actually, wind doesn't either in most of the states. I found that out just recently that here in Texas, both our solar and wind power production dies down when the sun goes down. Now, I didn't realize that wind was tied, at least here in Texas, to the sun being up, but it is. Hmm. So it's kind of weird that during the middle of the day, we overproduce wind and solar. Like, we don't want to do with it. We have so much that we're trying to connect to the rest of the country to help them out. But at night, we have none. Yeah. Yeah. So interesting. But yeah, I happen to agree with the API, which I don't always do, that the EPA needs to back off and say, look, this is what we want you to accomplish, not try to tell us what technology to use to get there. Yep. Okay. Patterson UTI next tier oilfield solutions merged to create a 5.4 billion drilling well completions business. Yeah. I remember somebody last year talking about there would be a bunch of mergers and acquisitions in the service industry. Can't remember who that was. Anyway, <sighs> saw this one coming from a mile away. This is a great combination of two companies that lead basically the drilling and completion space. The nice thing about this is it's going to create a super efficient company. It's going to be one of the top drilling companies with most modern rigs and best class in operation and technology portfolios out there, along with data analytics because all their stuff is new. Same way with the well completion business. So a lot of big data, a lot of new equipment, new processes, dual fuel fleets. So speaking of electrification of stuff, actually being able to frack via electricity instead of diesel gens, they're going to have great revenue and a strong, very strong cash flow. They're going to have great cost savings. 
And then it's just a really good group of leaders. I know most of the leaders of both of these companies love this is coming together. It made total sense. They're going to keep the name Patterson UTI Energy for the combined company. Mm-hmm. And then the completions business will still operate under next year so that we don't have to confuse people that have been working with these companies for years. <laughs> um, but, but this is great. Congratulations for pulling this off. This is good for everybody. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Philippine protesters confront conglomerate over LNG. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> If you read through this article, the protesters who are very anti-fossil fuel, which actually have a large component of the Catholics, and only mention that because it was mentioned in the article because the Philippines tend to be a strong Catholic society. I'm hmm, not I quite, didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't know that either. But I'm not quite sure why the Catholic religion is getting caught up into anti-fossil fuel stuff. That's a dangerous place for any religious organization to tie their boat to. But it is what it is. So here's the problem. This coalition that's very anti-fossil fuel is demanding an end to the Philippines opening up of a liquefied natural gas importation facility. The Philippines, let me give you the lowdown. The Philippines has some of the highest electricity in that region Uh because the government doesn't subsidize electrical. So the Filipino people have to pay for what electricity really costs. Up until recently, it was all mostly generated by coal. So switching from coal to LNG is actually better for the environment, but obviously not for these people. Now, one of my favorite quotes in this is this coalition is talking about how they're worried about this LNG plant could lead to oil spills. Do you not know what LNG is? <laughs> obviously, obviously, you have no idea, like not a clue. So you're fighting something you don't even understand. Imagine a clear blue day with perfect ocean, a sandy beach. Imagine an LNG spill in that area. You know what would it look like? Mm-hmm. A clear blue day with beautiful ocean and sandy beach. When LNG is let loose in the atmosphere, it's under pressure and it's chilled. It turns back into a gas. It's why it's called liquidified natural gas. <laughs> it's not crude oil that sticks to everything. You would see nothing if there was an LNG spill. Nothing, right? No impact to their environment. This is totally ridiculous. And you're protesting a fuel that's replacing your coal-fired power plants, which are the most polluting power plants you have. And you leave that part of the world the highest cost of electricity for your population. Ah, just utterly ridiculous. And then this is cool if you're, I guess, this group's had 40 archdiocese, diocese, and pre-latchers of the Catholic Church also issue a statement addressing the shareholders for the support of this protest. And by the way, people, I was born and raised Catholic. No hate mail. I'm, I'm just saying the Catholic decide, church decided to get What does this. the Catholic church know about oil and gas? Obviously nothing. Clearly. Yeah. Anyway, the statement by the Catholic church is basically today more corporate actors are acknowledging a role in climate crisis, climate crisis, Catholic church, and choosing to work toward aligning the 1.5 degree Celsius Paris temperature goal. Meanwhile, we are still unwavering in our opposing fossil fuel development. And this statement was signed by the church administrative units, including the archdiocese of the major Philippine cities. This is, don't even know what to say about this. Filipino people, this LNG import facility is good for you. It's going to lower your electricity prices. It's better for your local environment and for the world's environment. Don't listen to these crazy people who don't even understand what liquefied natural gas is, please. <laughs> Oh, man. Okay. I was laughing so hard, I started to tear up. Okay, so NATO to build Center for Pipeline Protection. Man, today is about pipelines, isn't it? Yeah. This is an interesting article. This is good that they're doing this. So basically, the NATO members have decided to get together and go, look, we've seen firsthand with Nord Stream 2 that our critical infrastructure in the ocean can be attacked and damaged and hurt countries. So we want to form a group of both nations and private organizations to understand this threat and have the ability to counter the threat. 
And what's really cool is they're also not just including oil and gas pipelines. They're including things like subsurface fiber cables, right? right? So if you're listening to this show anywhere other than in our studio, you're listening to it through the internet. And you may not know that the internet is composed of millions of miles of fiber cables across all the oceans connecting all the servers around the world. And if you cut those cables, if we cut the cables between here and Europe, Europe would lose all internet connectivity. It would go dark. You just have internet connectivity inside of Europe, not outside, which in a war would be something that would be advantageous to who's ever starting the war. Right. So this group is actually looking at all the infrastructure, including subsea cables, which is really good. It's going to be hosted in the United Kingdom, and it's going to be headquartered in NATO Maritime Command in Norwood. All the countries are throwing money into this. And then what's really cool is it's not just governments, because it would bother me if it's just governments. They're also bringing in private enterprise, everything for cybersecurity people to artificial intelligent leaders to help use AI to help mitigate some of these risks. They got a really clear picture of what happened North Stream 2 in the investigation by the Swedish government. It looks like they actually have some intel that they're not allowing out to the public, which must be the same intel that Sweden is not allowing out to the public. <laughs> I wish somebody would just call and tell me. I suspect I know what it is, but I wish somebody would call and tell me. It just kind of bothers my native curiosity. But this Center for Pipeline Protection, for Subsea Protection, has been needed. I'm glad somebody saw this doing it. And hats off to all the countries that are throwing in a few dollars because this protects everybody. Yep, yep, yep. Berndell Financial Advisors LLC acquires shares in Chevron Optimism in the oil and gas industry amidst rising energy demand post-COVID-19. Told everybody, let's get through this ESG stuff. Let's get through this greenwashing stuff. And the returns on hydrocarbons will make it, at some point, just unresistible to people to invest money. This is a great article about Brindle Financial Advisors. They're actually acquiring more shares in Chevron. But full disclosure, I'm also a shareholder in Chevron because I think they're a great company. They bought over 30,000 shares, which is nowhere near how much I have. <laughs> yeah, I would probably guess that, Mark. And Chevron's earnings has been fantastic. Yeah, you that's know, what I've seen. With, along with their peers, you know, most analysts and myself included predict that Chevron's going to continue to have great earnings for the next at least five or six years. And they're still paying a dividend. This is just showing investor confidence in the oil and gas industry at a very high level, which we need more of this. And let me tell you, we will have more of this. This is the beginning of the dominoes falling and everything getting back to where it should be. Right, right. Chenier signs LNG supply agreement with Equinor for 15 years. Okay, so let's kind of talk through just the title. Chenier, which is an LNG export facility right here in Louisiana, right between Louisiana and Texas. Uh-huh. It's in Louisiana. Signs a 15-year deal with Equinor, which is the former Statoil, so one of the leaders in the North Sea and one of the leaders in the world in hydrocarbon recovery and distribution for LNG. Why would somebody as big as Equinor sign a 15-year long-term deal with a U.S. producer of LNG? My gut tells me that Equinor knows that Europe will continue to need LNG for at least another 15 years. Okay, okay. Regardless of what the wind and solar and other renewable people say and do, and regardless of what the governments in Europe do to try to move toward renewables, this tells me that Equinor thinks that the demand for LNG is big enough and profitable enough that it's worth signing a 15-year deal with a U.S.-based company, which is exactly what's going on. And I agree. Hydrocarbons will never disappear. Natural gas is the perfect fuel for the future. Also, it's the perfect fuel to make stuff from, everything from plastics to fertilizer. I love this. This gives Chenier long-term cash flow. will allow them to continue to grow. U.S. has become the leading world as far as LNG exports other than what's going on with the Philippines and the Catholic Church. And mm-hmm. we will continue to grow. And this is just good for everybody. And it also shows the amount of research and the belief, at least from Equinor, that Europe's continued to need natural gas for at least another 15 years. U.S. to boost biofuel mandates over the next three years, but not for ethanol. I'm happy. 
<laughs> the ethanol part is what bothers me the I most. Know. I've only talked about it a gazillion times. I've actually talked about it so much. I've had people write and say, can you quit talking about how you don't like ethanol? We all get it. So I'm not going to talk too much about it. So basically, our current administration is going to ask for more biofuels to be included in a hydrocarbon fuels, but it's going to be biodiesel. And that's another story that I'll touch a, a little bit later. But they're not going to increase the amount of ethanol, which is good for the planet and good for us and good for vehicle owners. It's not good for the corn farmers in the middle of the U.S. They get subsidized to grow blah, corn to blah. make ethanol. Yeah, well, it's an artificial market that would, literally needs to be thrown away. I'm not saying make it illegal. I'm saying quit subsidizing it. And if the ethanol market can stand on its own two feet, great. And if not, let it disappear. Now, the other thing I talked about this in the last show is that originally what they proposed, they wanted to give EV manufacturers like Tesla's credits, renewable fuel credits for their vehicles. That's being thrown out, which is good because that was going to start another gray market that, oh, that we didn't Lord. need to have. So other than the fact that I don't like the government telling companies you have to buy a competing product, Considering what our current administration is, this is pretty close to a win. That's close to a win as we could have gotten. Now, let me back up real quick. Let me tell you my issue with biodiesel. Biodiesel made from used cooking oil, like French fry oil, I think is wonderful. Like I said before, that was the market there where restaurants had to pay people to dispose of it. Now they can sell it, which is just another market, which is great. But when you see all this stuff about rainforest being told, destroyed in Brazil, all that stuff, you don't really understand what's going on. A lot of people think people and companies and countries are destroying forests to make products, paper and wood. Paper and wood is not doesn't make enough sense to destroy virgin forests. It's too expensive. Right, yeah. Paper wood comes from tree forms. We've learned that it's cheaper and better if we grow trees, the exact species you want, in the exact environment. One of my good friend's husband has a yeah. tree farm. And so the old thing about saving a tree by saving paper, that doesn't really apply anymore, right? What a lot of these, especially rainforests, are being cut down for is for palm oil. The oh. reason they're growing palm oil is you can sell it to make biodiesel. So uh. by making biodiesel a mandate, you're actually directly contributing to the economics of destroying the rainforest. Mm. A lot of people don't understand that. The other contributor to the rainforest, and boy, I'm going to get some hate mail on this one, is organic foods. So if you want to buy organic banana, it takes four times more banana plants to make an organic banana than it takes to make an inorganic banana because I an inorganic agree with banana that. gets yep. to use fertilizers and pesticides and herbicides, right? Yep. So the whole reason I bring that up is not to draw any comments or draw sides or anything. I just want you to understand how complex some of this stuff is. Right. It's not as always easy to understand as you think it is. So our demand for biodiesel here in Europe, which is demand is there by law, is actually contributing to the destruction of the rainforest because they grow palm oil to turn it into biodiesel, which is not good for everybody. I would rather this go away. And actually, once again, not make it illegal. Let's let biodiesel stand on its own two feet. Let the market control it. And, and if that would happen, what would happen is our biodiesel would still come from used cooking oils, which I think is great, but it wouldn't make fiscal sense to come from palm trees that you have to spend the money to plant by destroying rainforest and transport all the way to the U.S. So it would fix all of that. But where we are right now with the EPA and the renewable fuel credit is as good as we could have hoped for with this current administration. So I'm going to consider this a win, and let's hope that we can move the needle a little bit further once we get through this next political cycle. Uh, U.S. ethane exports set a monthly record in March 2023. We haven't talked about ethane in a long time. Yeah. If you don't know what ethane is. It's a gas that you can get from a lot of different places. The easiest place to get it is strip it from natural gas. And then you make basically plastics. You make all kinds of stuff out of ethane, all kinds of different types of adhesives. But the main use is plastics. And we have a lot of ethylene crackers, which basically uses high temperature steam to crack that molecule so you can get the ethane. And we've been exporting it. It's been a huge business in the U.S. And the cool thing, Paige, is neither 
political side has taken notice of this business. So it's been allowed to grow under Shh, free market. I know don't say anything. Everybody. I don't want either side involved. One side would say it's horrible for the planet without understanding what to do and to try to shut it down or add costs to it, make it too expensive. The other side has no idea how the business works. They would fumble it up too. So this is kind of flown under the radar, which is really good. And we've been exporting ethane since 2014. And we're one of the largest ethylene. Actually, I think we are the largest ethylene exporter in the world that will continue to grow. Once again, this is a market that provides jobs that's good for the environment. And honestly, it makes modern life possible. As these different countries move up to more Western standards and more and more people move into cities, they're going to need more products, and that products come from ethane. So this is good for everything. Even the EIA is saying, who lately I've not been very big fan of their forecast, and even the EIA is saying that we're going to have over 500 million barrels a day of ethylene export by 2024, which is just right around the corner. So this is good. Okay. Well, that's good. <laughs> is that the end of our news stories? No, we got one more. German energy prices are so high, they're driving companies to relocate industry bodies. You heard well, me talk about this. I, I was just about to say that. <laughs> Here it is. <laughs> it's not a big surprise. I don't, I'm not psychic. If I can see this coming, everybody else saw it coming too. Let me tell you what's bad about this. So this is a true story. So because of their push into renewables too quick, their Everwind project, which failed, yep. they've increased, they've had to build new cold fire power plants. And this is before the Ukraine-Russian thing happened, right? Before Nord Stream 2 happened, which is already making the environment worse and up increasing the cost of electricity or energy. And then this whole Russian thing happened and Germany basically quit buying Russian natural gas, which accelerated all of this. There's still a lot of people in Germany that are trying to make renewables fill this gap. And it is literally impossible from physics. And so what's happened is prices are growing up because anytime you have a market and there's less of supply, in this case, there's not enough supply of energy, the prices go up and the price is going up. For things like electricity, which is the biggest cost for a lot of manufacturing, could drive manufacturing jobs out of Germany, which is happening right now. Yep. Now, let me tell you what I'm really worried about. So what does the government plan to do? The government of Germany plans to subsidize electricity to lower the prices for both companies and individuals. Now, on the surface, that sounds amazing, right? So the government has all this money, which they have a lot of money. Government's been Their GDP has been very good. The government has used their money to subsidize electric prices so that the cost of energy for the people and for companies stay lower. The problem with that is that's basically like taking out a loan. At some point, you have to quit subsidizing. You're going to run out of money. And at that point, instead of having the problem fixed, the problem has been artificially suppressed for a year, five years, 10 years. And when they quit subsidizing, prices are going to go up 10 times, 50 times, 100 times, mm -hmm. and it's going to decimate the economy of Germany overnight. And it will happen. Now, when will it happen with them subsidizing electrical prices? I don't know. But if they don't get some common sense, start building natural gas facilities, which I think they're going that way. We talked earlier about they're frantically building the largest LNG import facility in the world. And I think the only reason you would do that is that you're going to need that to produce electricity and natural gas-fired power plants. But Right now, companies are leaving Germany because it costs too much money to manufacture things because of the high energy prices. And when the companies leave, the people leave. When the people leave, the tax base disappears. Tax base disappears. The government's income gets cut. So Germany, please, 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 from the bottom of my heart, because I love your country, don't let this happen. Go ahead and keep going down your route of importing LNG. Build natural gas-fired power plants. Detach yourself from dependency on Russian natural gas. We can give you all you want. We love you to death. I promise you, we forgot about that war or two thing. It's okay, right? So I don't think we forgot. <laughs>
Well, I'm sort of joking. I'm sort of not. One of the things the U.S. is really good at is taking countries that we've had major conflicts with and making them buddies. Look yeah. at us in Japan, us in Germany, us in Italy. Yeah, that's true. At some point in the past, we weren't friends. We were bitter enemies, and now we're all buds. So I just want Germany to do the right thing. I hate to see the, these companies leave in Germany, but it's what's happening. And it's what happens when you make bad political choices. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Oh, I guess by the time you hear this, we'll be in Calgary. Yeah, we'll our... be in Canada. Actually, probably time this is released, we'll actually be doing this show from Calgary. Yeah. Which is kind of weird to think about that ahead of time. But if you're in that area, we'll put a link in the show notes, depending on which day you hear this. We're actually doing our podcast on Wednesday. So if you're listening to this on Tuesday, I'm not sure when our producing team's going to get it out. Oh, I don't think it'll be Tuesday. By the time it gets out, it might be all a right. little later than that. All right. Then, well, we all just missed it. <laughs> and let me just tell you, it was a great time. You missed a <laughs> wonderful time. You should have went. I gave you a month notice. If you didn't go, that's your fault. It was beautiful. I think we gave away like prizes and, you know, we had great time and I think there were like ponies to ride. I just, you just missed a great time. Well, you really dug deep there. <laughs> ponies to ride. Gifts and ponies. Yeah. That's what happened was. The other gift I can give you is come advertise with us. We are killing it with our CPM model. Go check it out. I've actually had two companies want to jump on board with this and I can't sell it to them <laughs> because we sold it all. And I sold it all rather quickly, which means I'm going to go up on the pricing. So if you're interested in working with us, go to OGN.com, hit pricing. We have we must have a dozen different ways you can work with us. Everything for large enterprise companies all the way down to mom and pops. Then weekly rig count page. Where are we? U.S. is at 682, down 5. Canada is up 10, 169. Up 18 internationally at 965. Okay. Numbers to be expected. Go to our LinkedIn page. Just follow. Yeah, Juan's killing it, man. Juan's killing our new intern. I think we've gained 10,000 followers since Juan came on board. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. So he's doing great. We're going to do more of that sort of stuff. But if you want to know what's going on with us, with the different shows, with any live events we're doing, that's the way to find out first. And then if you want my monthly All Yes Events newsletter, that's in the show notes as well. Sign up. We never spam you. First Friday Q&A, we did one just a week or so ago. If you'd like to submit a question, either go to OGGN.com or OllingAssThisWeek.com. Both have a place for you to submit a question. Just remember the goal is not to stump page and I, but to help educate our audiences. And we won't always read every single one and of we're them. we're not going to read every one, so don't submit it twice. And then if you want myself or any of our experts to come to your event, do a sales kickoff, do a live podcast, do a keynote. We have a great time. People love it. And especially people out there, your sales and marketing managers, when you're looking at closing out your sales year in a couple of months, bring us in. We can come in and tell you what's going on and educate your sales and marketing team so that they can hit the ground running next year and with a lot of knowledge that a lot of your competitors won't have. All right. Ready to get out of here? Mm-hmm. Remember, folks, do great work, pay it forward, and we will see you next time. Tune in next week for another informative and entertaining episode of Oil & Gas This Week Podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.